hello, welcome to episode 33 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think could relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, and I'm joined, as always, by our lead pastor and co-host, Brett Nicholson. As always. That's right. And that's how she introduced me in our West Side campus the other day. And instead of the pastor, I'm the, I'm the podcast partner here, I <laughs> which I prefer, actually. It was pretty good. I had someone uh, say behind me, you've been downgraded. I, like, oh. I said, no, not really. I think it's it's an upgrade. I like it. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, I just I kind of did that on the fly. I didn't plan that's on right. that. That's right. It was good. It, was it worked. It worked. It was a fun day. It was a fun day hanging out It was. Out we there. had a blast at our West Side campus yesterday. It was really good. Yeah. And so we are in a series called Common Chaos. We're talking about um, things that we think relate to anyone, regardless if you're someone, a uh, person who would consider themselves um, a person of faith or not. Uh, I think we all deal with certain kinds of chaos. And um, the three that we're kind of focusing on are relationships, addictions, and stress in general, um, which I think everyone kind of can relate to in some way. And so um, we've also been doing something on the podcast since the beginning of the year. We've been bringing on people from the community who are influential and in being a part of making change and helping build a great city. And so today we get to um, kind of combine those and we get to talk to our friend Joey Davenport. So Joey's joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm uh, excited to be here and look forward to having a healthy discussion. Yeah, it should be fun. Healthy discussion. Healthy discussion. Yeah, that's right. No, should I be scared now? No. That's <laughs> right. I hadn't come up before. Uh, awesome. And so first, we just want to let people know a little bit about you, Joey. Tell us a little bit about you and um, some of the things you've been involved with. Well, I'm, uh, I attend One Life Henderson, mm-hmm. uh, live in Henderson, work at Hilliard Lines for 22 years. Uh, it doesn't seem like I've been there that long. Uh, some days, some days it seems like it's 22 years that day. <laughs> but uh, married to Amy, uh, I have two children, uh, Cooper and Addison, 13 and 10. Uh, they love One Life and uh, love uh, my son's now in the middle school. Arians really has thrived in that. That's awesome. Uh, being separated, if you will, to across the street and having their own service. So that's been exciting for us. I grew up in Seabury and was a, a lifelong member of Seabury First Baptist Church, and uh, all my family goes there. So I uh, watched One Life from the very beginning, uh, tried to support it even when I didn't go there uh, with some volunteering uh, volunteering there some financially, uh, what we felt passionate about and prayed about. So I uh, haven't been going to One Life a long time, a few years, but mm-hmm. have been there since the very beginning. I was excited and knew it was something that was needed here in, in the tri-state and what One Life does uh, globally. So yeah, yeah, before you officially went, weren't you leading the men's Bible study or something that was attended by most of the men over there or something? That right, was always my then, impression. Well, it was, and then I was... Uh, I was actually leading that out of Chapel Hill's basement, Methodist Church there in Henderson, just because for years I have uh, really fought the idea of so many churches being almost what I call silos to where you felt like it was this church was here and this church was here and don't come over here because we're over here and we're huddled up. And that's the one thing I appreciate about One Life is that even though some might, someone might say, oh, you go over to One Life. Well, no, I attend at One Life, but we're all in this together. You know, right. this is, and uh, uh, it's something I always felt uh, that was the case with One Life. After attending, then I knew it, but I would talk to other pastors in, not to slight any other pastor or call them by name, but it was almost like a club 
And when you start talking about building a great city, I don't think you can ever fully do that with anything if you're acting like this is our department here and we're going to take care of these people or we're not going to deal with those people because they do this, then you're really not being the church. Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, one of the things that we would definitely want to talk about is you um, live on purpose. Tell us a little bit about live on purpose. Well, live on purpose was... um, really uh, started with, uh, I had a late friend of mine, Todd Satterfield, that uh, really inspired me to do this. I had written about it and, and uh, just had written in journals about living on purpose, being intentional. I really had prided myself uh, in reading a lot of things about being organized and uh, having a plan and uh, playing college athletics and being a a uh, college basketball player and, and getting a, a degree and things, you, you know, you have to really be organized or you don't make it. And uh, so that's where it kind of, I think, started at. And then Todd's illness, and it was very uh, uh, public, and he wanted it that way, his faith that uh, he, uh, he and I had reconnected over the years after our children were born about the same time, grew up in the same daycare. And <laughs> We formed a relationship that now that I look back, as many things happen that way, you know why that you cross paths again. And with him inspiring me to write things, and then he became very ill. So I started, uh, I was already sending out the text message, but I just started doing a little bit more of it intentionally, and he started sharing it, and then it just really grew from there. And I still have a separate group that I send it to that were his original people that he <laughs> sent it to. I even says on my app, Tides group. And uh, that means a lot to me just because it reminds me every day of how fortunate I am to be able to still send it. And I still coach his son in AAU basketball and his son and my son are still best of friends. And his dad, when I, or his son, when I look into his eyes, a lot of times I sometimes have to just stop. I can't coach them anymore and kind of walk off because they look just dead alike, dead in the eyes. Oh, my goodness. And it's really a touching thing about once every two or three weeks, as odd as that is, he's our point guard and he's a really good athlete. And uh, so it's been a joy, but that's all how it all tied together there uh, was he inspired it. I started sending it. Now I've sent it uh, for over 11 years, never missed a morning, and it's – just things that I feel inspired to write. Some I pull back from past years because I've kept all of them. Uh, and the Facebook memories part <laughs> helps me too because things pop up. I'm like, oh, I might use that again. So it's really good for me to do that. And, you know, as I've said before, that uh, write them every morning for myself to use in my own life first. And that has uh, stemmed in some other things. We've been able to raise money for people that we feel like that are in need. And uh, and now do a little bit more behind the scenes than so publicly now because the pu- public part of it almost became, it just became a little bit overwhelming. So uh, we try to do things privately. When I go speak at engagements, they pay it directly to live on purpose, and we try to help people in the community in a, uh, in a way uh, to inspire them to be intentional and, and, and live that out every day whatever that might be. Some people just think it's a spiritual thing, which is a very big component of it, but also just being intentional in your interactions, at your job, at church, 
because sometimes the best thing you can do is say hello, ask people how they are, and actually listen to how they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's um, and if you if you have never seen Live on Purpose, I get it via Twitter. I don't do the text mm-hmm. thing, uh, just uh, but I I get it just as live as anybody else. And 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 they're they're a combination of sometimes it is uh, things that you've learned from the Bible. It's it's things that you've learned from being an athlete. It's it's it can be kind of success in life type stuff. Here's here's an example. Um, the best way to avoid most of the bumps in the road of life is to slow down. And then he always puts Live on Purpose purpose and then plus one so uh, there's just it's just little things like that and i like the fact that it's in uh, a tweetable fashion and uh, it's a great little thing to be able to look at and uh, uh, just to see and kind of picks up your day and it gives you food for thought and maybe it kind of inspires you in other ways another one says to achieve more with less effort we must take inventory of those things that sap our time energy and focus and live on purpose. Hey, I got to be reminded of that. Now, it also has the plus one thing. And I remember that was significant with you and Todd. Explain what that was. Uh, well, that was the thought process of just not being intentional, just to be intentional about job or being more efficient. But the fact of being intentional every day to draw one more person closer to God. Mm-hmm. So that's where that, that stemmed from. And I wrote about that. And Todd was just so passionate about that. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's so much better than these other things that come out here and done. I said, well, and then then finally I was like, okay, I'm you know I'm going to put that out there. And there there has been a big response, and I get all the time people uh, will come up and tell me their stories of one more person that they felt like they were intentional about drawing them closer to God and so that 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 pushes me forward to continue to do it because I would be lying if there weren't some days that for 30 and 40 minutes every morning me sending those messages out that there's some days that I'm like is anybody really getting those you know because sometimes you're just sitting there going I wonder if this has been blocked by everybody and nobody gets it (laughs) and I'm spending 30 you know so there are some days I'm just human that uh, I try to do it while I work out and things, but uh, it's something that I I know, but it always helps when somebody comes up because everybody's humans. I get people coming to me and say, well, I know you don't don't have problems, but I've got this problem. I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, and and it's... uh, that is the realness, I think, sometimes of it and what the stories I can share back to people once they share with me. There's an openness to that that I, you know, I enjoy because I, I have people all the time that come up to me to talk about it and or Todd or where that. I mean, I had so many stories back then that I've kept. People that would send me things. I hadn't been to church in this many years. We had a candlelight service actually at One Life. For him, and we pulled back the curtains, and you couldn't get another person in there. And uh, that was the only time they had been in a church since they were children. And you know, it's just, the things that came of that were just really amazing. And then to know that his funeral was at One Life, and uh, and that there are Sundays that uh, I stand there and think about you know, that his casket was right there. And especially on the anniversary of things, it's just the way it is. And the last time his anniversary of his, his death came up, his son comes to church with us every once in a while. Sure. He came that Sunday. I, I had forgot all about it. We're standing there. I'm like, oh, I just, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I'm now his son's 13. 
we have conversations about his dad and uh, how what uh, live on purpose because I've got all the kids live on purpose shirts and things and and we're now starting to have some conversations and Todd's um, wife that he had his child with Alec uh, she uh, was an, an addict mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, when he got late in his life talking about this common chaos with the addictions and things I saw that so firsthand to know that now she's been clean for over three years and uh, it's just awesome because I remember being on my knees begging her to let me get her help I had something lined up she would have been taken off right then we knew she was an addict Mm. and she looked me dead in the face and said I don't know what you're talking about and I knew and we all knew yeah and it's just a powerful disease when, and that's what I tell people all the time when people say, can you believe that they, and a lot of times I'll stop anybody that says, like, yep. They're like, well, you don't even know what I want to say. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I can believe because we're all sinners and we all have problems. And sometimes they come through addictions. Sometimes they come through, some people want to be stressed. And then they get to a certain level that we're like, what's wrong with me? Well, you wanted it. Now you got it. So I I just think so many of the times uh, what we see in uh, this common chaos of addictions, relationships, is because to my text today, the the bumps in the road, you can avoid them easier when you're slowing down. And I think that's in our world. We don't want to do that. We want to speed up when actually yeah. you're more efficient when you slow down most of the time. Did you have an era in your life that, that, that kind of inspired that? Where I mean, because being in, and I would think in college athletics and doing those kinds of things, it's a high intensity, high speed environment. So uh, it would seem like, yeah, your instincts there would be like, I should go faster, not slower. So was there a time in your life that you were doing the really, really fast thing and intentionally pulled the throttle back? Uh, that's a great question, and my answer goes along with when I speak to teens. Here's what I t- tell them. I say, if you ever see me anywhere at a stoplight or if I'm somewhere and somebody sees me, I say, if you ever see me doing this with my hands, here's the story behind that. When I went to college uh, to play Division I basketball, my, my coach said, my assistant coach said, he was a very smart guy, was 25 years ahead of his time, as far as efficiency and knowing the analytics of basketball. And uh, he he came to me, took me in on a board and wrote a bunch of analytics on the board. And he said, you know what? You could be really good. You could be a really good basketball player, but you're not real fast and you can't jump real high. So here's the one thing you better not do when everybody else out there is going to be able to do that. And he did it just like this. He said, don't let them speed you up. He took his hands just like that. Hmm. I didn't know any better. So I just said, well, that's what I'm going to live by. I'm not going to let anybody speed me up. And you told me to shoot, get fouled or shoot a three-pointer. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm not going to let anybody speed me up. I'm going to either th- shoot a three or shoot a layup. So I have literally never forgot that. And I tell people all the time when they go into things like new coaches, uh, when they get a what they feel like is a promotion or a big-time job, one of the first things – I text them 
is do you remember when I spoke to your team and I said, don't let them speed you up? And when they respond, I say, don't let anybody speed you up. You're there because you're good enough. Don't do things because everybody else is out here saying, oh, you got to do this and all oh, you got to do that. And all. No, you had to slow down <laughs> and be more efficient because what he showed us in college was the more times we pass the ball, the better off we would be and the more sc- points we would score. Now, it's hard for you to believe that. Well, the uh, number one NBA team, the Golden State Warriors, they pass the ball more than anybody. No, nobody wants to look at that. They just all want to say, oh, it's because they do that. No, it's yeah, because they, they move the ball yeah, and yeah. shoot threes or shoot layups. Yeah. So huh. I just all the time, and I say to my son all the time, playing and my team that I coach, they know that concept. Don't let them speed you up because that's what I tell everybody. Uh, teams, you know, profession, uh, no matter what it is, I say it to staff at, at my office when things get hec- hectic. Uh, they'll know what I'm going to I can just do like this. They're on the phone. I can see this stress. I'll walk by their office and go, <laughs> they, they know what I mean by the hand motion. Just a hand I'll motion. Speed you yeah, up. Well, hand motion I, I think I learned that up. in athletics. Yeah. And that, that's the opposite of what most people think. But uh, it's done done me well in, in my life. Yeah, and that's my thing is that you would think in that world it's the exact opposite. You right. know, athletics almost by definition seems to be about speed and all that. But right. it is an interesting that uh, to do it effectively and well, yeah. it's more about, okay, I need to think it through and, and, uh, and delay by speed. Yep, see, everybody already got their money's worth just I mean, from that one little thing that we did. That was really good. Yeah. Like I was thinking, oh, man, Joe should come just hang out staff, just talk a little bit, inspire us someday. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and, I, and, I, and I feel guilty that I feel like I'm telling you the opposite a lot of times. <laughs> everybody needs to speed up. Come on, let's go. And now, I'm not it. saying that yeah. I, I practice that at all times. Oh, okay, but, okay. I appreciate but the but disclaimer. I, uh, there. Uh, but I am saying that, you know, back in 08 and 09 when yeah. the market was crashing and everybody was running frantic. And uh, I remember it resounded in our office at that time. You know, I said, you know, just don't let them speed you up. You got to take care of what, control what you can't control mm-hmm. and just don't let them speed you up. And I, you know, if we, you know, it all, we don't need to be taught as much as we need to be reminded. That's been said a thousand times, but yeah. it really is the case. That's why I put live on purpose on the end of every text because, you know, when you get bored with the basics, you're, you're in trouble. And I've, I've written, I've had that on my desk. Uh, when, uh, when basics or when you become bored with basics, failure becomes frequent. And I really believe that the basic things that we do, if we don't stick to the basic things that we do, and it's one of the reasons why I send out the message every day, because it's a daily reminder to me of the basics. Because we want to think there's all this new thing and all that new thing and this. And there are many new things. But the basics to pretty much everything, and I I tell my kids this almost every single day, speak and get spoken to. That's one of my resounding messages when they get out of the vehicle. Speak and get spoken to. And I tell them all the time, anybody can, you know, speak after somebody says, you you want to be the first person to speak going down the hall. So when you see that teacher, I don't care if my daughter's 10 years old, she meets a teacher coming down the hall, I want her to speak to that teacher first and get spoken to. I did an experiment at Sanford. I go there where I played college basketball. I love the place. And I go back and speak 
ever so often there to different groups. And I was down there and had a suit, bow tie on, walk around my coffee. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to do an experiment. So I walked around while people were going to class, not during the summers, during regular class session. And I feel like I'm pretty much a normal-looking person. I mean, I didn't have you know, some mask <laughs> well, you did have on or anything. On, yeah, well, so, I did have a bow tie That's, that's cool. common right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I'm walking around, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to count out of 100 people that I make eye contact with, how many of them say good morning, hello, anything. Zero out of 100. Zero? Zero. That's your alma mater. Yeah. Oh. Didn't even say hello. Hey, how's it going? I wasn't going to do it first. So I went and spoke to this group of students. And I said, I don't know if any of y'all were in that. If y'all saw me walk around and a couple of them were getting a little squirmish, I think. (laughs) But I said, do you want to separate yourself in this big world you got to go into? Speak and then get spoken to. Because communication is what's going to be the separator of getting a job and, and, you know, uh, doing something in life that you would feel that uh, you would be proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I, I, I don't know, just kind of click with me. I think so often, even in any world, any job I've been in, it, we're always looking for like, if we just had this, this would be better. If we just did this, we'd have more people involved in that. Or, you know, even in the church world, we'll say like, if we just had this form or this graphic or this, you know, from the creative side, that's what I get a lot. And it's always goes back to, but if you have the relationship, if you know the person, if you talk to them, if you speak to them, if you get to know what's going on in their life, you're much more likely to connect someone to what you hope they get connected to anyway. And so I think mean, talking about relationships in general, um, you've mentioned a couple of times talking um, to some teams and coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you get involved in, in some of that? I mean, just getting the being able to go around and speak and some of the people you've been connected to. You told us a little bit of a story of um, a coach uh, before we, we started recording earlier. So well. I I was blessed to have a a very good uh, high school career, be an all-state basketball player. Uh, Then I was went on to college and and was able to really set a lot of records in college and things. God blessed me with the skill. Really, I tell people all the time, it wasn't the skill because I never dunked a basketball. I can't even spin the ball on my finger, but I don't know why you would do that anyway because you can't do it in the game. But, uh, you know. <laughs> That's I'm, a really good point. <laughs> exactly. I feel a lot better said. that I can't do exactly. that. Exactly. Oh, okay. So I always say God gave me the ability and the discipline to practice. That's what he gave me because – that's what I did. 5.30 in the morning before I could drive, I was driven to the gym by my grandfather who was our next-door neighbor, and it's just what I did every day. I mean, I, I was just God gave me the ability to repeat things over and over, and that's just been through my life. I never became bored with the basics. And so once I got into college and and had, had a career that uh, was a good career, those coaches that coached against me are now some of the <laughs> biggest names in basketball. So they remembered me. So when I'd send an email or something, they'd see my name on there, they'd respond. And then through social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all these different things, they've we've reconnected. And then I'll go to speak to a group, and then they'll tell somebody else. So it's just it's kind of just opened up from there. And uh, I tell that to teams. I've had three jobs in my life. I've never used a resume yet. Well, three jobs. And the reason why was because the relationship was already formed that they said, boom, you're hired, college basketball coach. 
boom, Merrill Lynch hired me here in Evansville. I never showed my resume because my college roommate's brother-in-law was the number one financial advisor in America for Merrill Lynch. So well, they showed up here. The guy walked in and said, what day you want to start? <laughs> I didn't even, I was, had, I was had my suit on, had my binder, my resume was in there, perfect, you know. <laughs> and he's like, what day you want to start? I'm like, what? How do you know this guy? And I told him how, and I pressed the guy, and the guy recommended me for the job. Wow. Before I could take that job, I'm going to condense the story, but uh, before I could take the third job, it's because of basketball. I was an eighth grader. I started varsity basketball. <laughs> I played against Henderson County. I was from little old Webster County, and this guy saw me play, and he nudged his wife and said, that kid is 100 pounds soaking wet. He never turned the ball over, and he dominated the game. I'm going to hire that boy someday. Five years removed, we played Henderson County, and I scored 36 points. I might have cheated at the end <laughs> and grabbed the guy's jersey and pulled him over on top of him. The guy landed on me. They called the foul. I made two free throws with no time on the clock to win. Oh my gosh. He told his you wife. You can do that. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. You're not supposed <laughs> to. You're not supposed to. Okay. And now so, the real truth comes out. Exactly. There's so many fans wondering about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no way I ever remember it, but I do. Uh, the guy I pulled on top of me still remembers it. I see wow. him. But then five years removed from that, I graduated from college walking down the street at the Tri-Fest that was just this past weekend in Henderson. That guy stopped me and said, what are you doing back here? I said, I just got a job at Merrill Lynch. He said, you're not going to work at Merrill Lynch. That's in Evansville. You're coming to work in Henderson for Hilliard Lions. I said, what's that? He said, you're getting ready to find out. We walked back down to the office. He gave me a, a test. I took the test. He said, come back tomorrow, which was Saturday. He said, come back tomorrow. I'll tell you how you did, and we'll, we'll go from there. I said, yes, sir. I don't even know the game. I'll go home. <laughs> My parents are like, do what? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like that's the right thing to do. So I go back down there. He says, come on in. I sit down. He says, you did horrible on the test. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. So I got ready to get up. He said, sit down. Mm -hmm. And he retold me that story I just told you. And he said, I told my wife I was going to do it. That was 10 years ago the first time, then five years, and then today. Today's the day, Jack. You start Monday. And I've been there 22 years. Oh, my there word. And that's why I tell kids that it, people are watching you. When you play basketball at your middle school, your grade school, your high school, there are people, if you're going to live in that community, that might hire you someday. So don't act like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a good moral. See, yeah, that exactly. ought to be on a live on purpose text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't act like an idiot. Live on purpose. Plus one. Right there, it's a good message. Let's talk about, uh, you know, as we talk about relationships and, and addictions and stress, and, and, and I know relationships are very... Uh, one of the basics for you, and I guess what I'd, I'd like to explore with you is what have you observed over the years through being married, as a parent, as a coach, uh, just in interacting with college students and your career. What Don't get bored with the basics. What are the basics of relationships from your seat that you coach yourself on, that you put in, you know, you, you, in your one, uh, live on purpose text and everything else? What are those things that we, we can easily forget and we need to get bored with? Uh, well, I think, I mean, obviously the first one, I don't say obviously, but just talking in general has changed. Like I see from my own children, you know, my son's 13, we get him a phone. It used to be, we talked about things from the house to practice or from the house to school. Now he's wondering why he can't look at Snapchat the whole way. 
So some of those basic things that we don't even really realize that we're not doing, we're not because we're just occupying that time with something else. And back to the original point of don't get sped up. We've got to hurry up and see all the Snapchats before he gets to school. Or, and and I think sometimes we're all that way and we all get sped up so we don't go back to the, the bas- basics of communicating with one another, setting down for meals as we've it's been uh, preached on and, you know, about how important that is to uh, have meals together and, and sit and talk with one another and actually communicate about instead of just saying a one-word answer and then moving on about that. And the other thing is is actually following up and being, you know, anybody, I've written this before, anybody can hear things, few listen. Hmm. You know, people hear a lot of things, but they don't actually listen. So I tell my son all the time, when I... asked you something if you're listening you ought to be able to respond because i'm just asking you about general things don't say huh when we're sitting in the same vehicle yet. So, I mean, let's just have this you know open line of uh, communication here and i think that's sometimes what we don't do we're just trying to move on to the next thing instead of being about that one thing that we're sitting there uh communicating about and follow up i think is very important to people uh and, you know, in general, uh, and technology can be great for that, of reminding yourself of certain things. I know my calendar on my phone, I have constantly have reminders of things that pop up to remind me. And we have to, again, be reminded more than we need to be taught. But I think just slowing down would be, you know, a, a big key. I don't know if that was a good answer, but oh, it was a great answer in my yeah, book. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, slow down. Do you do you have a rule where you can't do phones at the table, or do you? Uh, do you yes. Uh, now we don't. Uh, I'll admit it's not a hundred percent of the time. We we try to just set those down and say, okay, let's let's talk about this. And the way our schedule is, we eat out a lot, so we uh, we sit there and and discuss the day about what went on or where we're getting ready to go most of the time in between school and eating and then to the next activity. Uh, But, you know, I often know sometimes that we're doing the best job when my kids say, we're bored. Then I say, exactly. (laughs) Now we know we're doing something right. You know, because if they're not, if kids aren't ever bored or, then they have no reason to be creative in filling the time that they have. If you just always just occupy their time with something, then you're not giving them the ability to have the creativity to do maybe what, well, maybe I'll try that, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think that that is, that is really uh, important not to just always occupy the time because I have found I'm guilty of this and I'm trying to get better, is if we're just trying to fill the time because we want them to quit asking us what are we going to do next and we don't have the that's the easy thing normally to do the hard thing is to say we're just going to hang out we're going to sit around the house here and uh i'm going to read and i just happened this weekend my amy was doing something the kids were asking me so what are we going to do i said well i'll tell you what i'm going to (laughs) do that chair right there i'm getting ready to get in it and I'm going to read. And if I get tired, I'm going to kind of roll over there and I'm going to take a nap. And <laughs> y'all can figure out what y'all want to do in between the time. But here's the one thing you better not do. Don't come over here and tap me on the shoulder and go, 
what are we going to do now? <laughs> don't do that. So yeah, for the next two go. hours, y'all figure out what you're going to do. You know, and they did that because they were scared that I would get upset <laughs> and I'd cut them off and not, you know, let them something horrible like take their phones away. Uh, take so, away Snapchat. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. So uh, actually to my son, the one thing I can always say to him, he's big into shoes, you know, all the different Nikes, Yeezys, all this stuff. So I'll say, I'll tell you what, you won't wear those shoes for the next month if you do X. It pretty much takes care of it. Takes care of it. He's all about that's his a, shoes. That's all about the shoes. You always got to know right. what yeah. they're about. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a good point. The, and, and it, it strikes me, we touched on this a little bit, but I'd like you to kind of cycle back to it. In the in the world of college athletics, you played and you also do speak. I don't know if we mentioned it formally or not. You do speak to different teams and you're invited to do that. And so you're in that world. I would imagine because of the speed of it and the pressure of it to perform, to that brings a lot of stress into the lives of these athletes. I mean, they, uh, you know, and you've got someone resisting you at the same time in a game. I mean, right. you're trying to win and they're trying to get you to lose. And, and there's a lot of high performance uh, challenge there. How do you main? How do you s- keep yourself slowed down and not get stressed over a high pressure environment like that? And most of us could take that and move it into our maybe less high stress uh, environment. The, I stole this from a guy named Kevin Elko, E L K O. He's a famous sports psychologist, and he deals with all the Alabama football, Philadelphia Eagles. He's been great. I've read every book of his. I'm I'm I'm, I'm an Elko nut. But the one thing he says that resounds with me is you need to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. He says, you know, you can't control your thoughts, but you can't control your thinking. (laughs) And that is powerful to me because if we sit here and listen to ourselves on a spiritual side, most of the time that can be the devil trying to get into our minds and going, you're no good, you can't do that, you're terrible, uh, you can't, You or if you hit two or three shots, oh, no, don't shoot anymore, your percentages will go down, you know, any number of things. But it's, <laughs> right. it's where we can be saying, I am good enough. I'm going to figure out a way here to make this right. I'm going to get better. An incoming call from a client, I always talk to our staff about this, the phone's ringing. You know the person's on the other end didn't get their check, and they're upset because their check's a day late. You can't answer the phone thinking that that person's going to be upset. You have to stop and talk to yourself before you answer that phone. Get yourself in the right state of mind to combat that, to say, we're sorry. It was mailed. We can't do anything. You know, we have to find a way to talk through that. And I think my simple answer would be not in a weird way, but self-talk rather than self-listen he writes about is so powerful and i uh, i agree with that and i find myself doing it like don't let them speed you up as i'm getting sped up you know so i think it's very important that we uh, talk to ourselves more especially if we're reading praying it's a form of prayer really i mean you can in your communications with god that's what i think people get so caught up in and i talk to our kids about that when they're praying about we have them pray for the meals and things and you know i said prayer is not weird society has made it that way 
But you don't have to have your eyes closed to pray, have your eyes open. You know, you can be anywhere. And you need to buy into that in your life, that that's the way it is. You don't go to church and that's where you pray. Hmm. Or we don't pray because we sit down for a meal. Yeah, those are good places to do that. But don't make it so ritualistic that you say, well, that's where we do that. Well, no, we don't do it over here, but no, we, we're going to do it here. And I, I, th- I think that's, uh, that's important. I, I won't say a form of prayer, but the self-talk and the communication sometimes you know, is just calling on the, the name of Jesus is yeah. calming. Yeah. So uh, I just think it's very important not to just hear our thoughts and go with those, it's to talk ourselves through it. And that's hard to do because there's a form of discipline in that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it strikes me, too, that it's interesting that the, the Psalms that kind of shed light on, for me, uh, just when you think about the, how the Psalms communicate, many of them are direct prayers, but many of them are announcements. Their their worship is a form of saying things about God, saying things about life, saying things about yourself that are true according to God's Word. And so uh, most of us, we think in terms of direct uh, I'm talking to God about something, but you can actually do. The Psalms are filled with a form of self-talk, and it's it's pronouncement over the over the congregation. These things are true, as opposed to the thing that you're going through your head. So, I like that. I, I thought, what was it? Name the coach again. Uh, and the guy's Kevin Elko. E L K O. Okay. You can get on his it's website. Monday morning cup of inspiration. Every good. Monday morning, he sends out a five-minute podcast. <laughs> And my son and I listen to it every single Monday morning. Then we discuss it. What's he talking about? How nice. are we going to live through that? This week's is you're not, I use this with teams all the time. You're not a natural born winner. You're not a natural born loser. You're a natural born chooser. It's your choice in life that makes a difference. You got to choose to be that. People don't, aren't born as a loser. People aren't born as a winner. People say that, oh, they're a born winner. No. They're a born chooser. Yeah. They chose to do what it takes to put them in a position to be a winner. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about that on my son this week. Really, he was like, yeah, that's what you say to those teams. I'm like, well, you, at least you weren't listening <laughs> to them. <laughs> and I also, and I, before, before I say, uh, before I talk to teams, I will, uh, I just say Kevin Elko's name because I say, I'm not going to stop every time I use a blur. But I said, I read a guy named Kevin Elko, and then I go in because he's got so many phenomenal one-liners. He's a Christian. Yeah. Uh, he talks uh, on his podcast about uh, he ties it to the Bible a lot in, in ways that I'm like, my gosh, that's so good. So, yeah, he's been given a, a, a true gift, and he has shown how those things, you know, I know enough about him to know when I see these teams succeed, I hear their players talk, it's him because he is – Okay. He has been They're with the team so much. Yeah. I mean, you hear Nick Saban talk his success at Alabama. Kevin Elko and him talk twice every week. Wow. Every single week, it's a set yeah. thing. They talk twice. And Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. want, you, know, you can go through the list. Pittsburgh Steelers, he was with yeah. them for years. Miami uh, Hurricanes back in the day when they were winning so many games. That was his original team. And he just talks about that. He's like, I'm not telling you that I was the one that did that. I'm just telling you there's substance behind right. talking about things and talking yourself into things in a positive mm-hmm. way and having the, the vision, Have a, he calls it a vision for victory. Because yeah. if you can't see it out there, 
as something you want to attain, you're never going to work hard enough to actually get there. If you're just trying to go out there and say, oh, I'm going to try to get better today, that's one way to do it. But if you actually say, no, I'm going to do this so I can shoot 50% from the three-point range this year, mm-hmm. then you have something in your mind that you're actually you know, trying to get to rather than just say, I'm just going to get better. Well, that's a little too general. He's saying, no, put it out there. So if you know how you, if you did succeed or if you did fail. I want to keep talking. It's hard. I have yeah, things right. I want to say. Sarah was speechless. I know. She was just I know. I want to ask questions, but I know we're we're really close on time, and so I do want to. Uh, the cell phone guy did a five minute podcast. Yeah, five minute that podcast. Apparently, <laughs> we did a half hour. Maybe it's the first <laughs> thing we. We say half hour. It's usually forty minutes. Okay. So, uh, even, yeah. Yeah. It's even longer. Than, uh, <laughs> but I do. I do want to close with just um, two things. One, if people want to start receiving the Live on Purpose message, what's the best way for them to receive that? The best way is to send their first and last name via text to 270-860-5225. That's my cell phone. I will put them on the app and then they'll start getting it the next morning. Terrific. And then you can find out more just about Live on Purpose and more about Joey at joeydavenport.com. Yes. Yep. Um, and then um, the last question I kind of want to close with, because we do have you here and uh, you've talked multiple times about being in Henderson and we've been talking about community and some of the great things going on um, in a it doesn't have to be the, but like, what's one of your favorite things or one thing about Henderson that you love and something that you want other people to know? Uh, one of the great things about Henderson is it is a giving community because we through Live On Purpose, there's a lot of things that we do visibly, but some of the things we do behind the scenes, I call on people to give to things that no one would really ever know about because we want to make an impact on someone and the amount of people that tell me no are very it's a minimal and uh that that speaks well of it and it's i mean documented there are a lot of things but henderson is a giving community if you give them something worthwhile to give to and if they think they're actually going to impact it if they think they're just doing it to be doing it they're not you know they're not going to do it but if they see a real impact and what we were able to do for Shelby Heiser, and I say we because no, we raised $76,000 to buy him a new van. He's a quadriplegic that got hurt in a, an accident a few years ago. Well. And we raised that money when I was told that his van broke down. We raised that money in 16 days. And not one person, one person did give $5,000. 71000 of that was raised from $20, $50, $13, 30 It's just because people were inspired that, yeah, we know that guy. We know. And uh, so you just don't find that in, in many places. And uh, I, I'm thankful to live in Henderson uh, being from 20 miles down the road, but uh, growing up in Seabury. But Henderson's a, it's a great community that I, I think we see through one life mm-hmm. and the city serve days and things that, uh, people are, are passionate and what's going on in the East End. That's terrific. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I would love to have you come back on and get some more of those uh, those little right. conversations get, get, that's and, right. and, and sure. inspirational things. And coaching and and this is, we can do this it anytime. That's right. Terrific, terrific. And, um, and if people want to find you on Twitter, what was your... It's uh, <laughs> at Joey D. Davenport. Okay. And that's two D's in the middle. Joey D. then Davenport. Got it. Yeah. That way they can find you on Twitter. I can get your message there right. as well um, right. or send you a direct message. And thank you so much for joining us. It's been terrific. Thank you.
Absolutely. And thank you guys for joining us today. Um, again, if you would please share this out, uh, go ahead and like it, subscribe. That way more people can continue hearing the conversations that we're trying to have for um, our communities and just in general. We think these things that um, would impact people and we love it. So, Brett, thank you as always. Oh, well, you're very welcome. It's always fun hanging out. Enjoyed it. It is. Every week Enjoyed we get it. to that's hang right. out. Every, that's right. It's the only Every time week. I see Brett. I'm just not true. <laughs> that's right. That's not true. Not true. Thank you guys. We'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and subscribe. That way you'll get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If there was something that you heard that you really want other people to know, share it out on social media. You can use the hashtag OLPodcast. To ask us a question here at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I produced this episode. Our music is produced by Micah Robertson and Ben Brock.